Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Living You to Living. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Welcome to a new episode, and we say welcome to Astrid Öreslind. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Uh, when I talked to you earlier, you had been out skiing in Trondheim, and we are in the middle of May. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, it's actually snowing outside right now, so the conditions in Biemark are extremely good, and they are grooming tracks and everything. Is, it feels like January here. <laughs> Is that normal that you have snow in May in Trondheim? No, no, absolutely not. It's uh, normally the season ends in April, so and the roller ski season starts in May. But now it's actually impossible to roller ski, so uh, we're glad we have so good uh, conditions up in Bjerka. You're also out camping. You were the the other day. How, how is that? Do you have like backcountry skis and you go out? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, backcountry skiing now, and it still is amazing uh, conditions for that now. So, but the camping is mostly just by the car because we have a lot of equipment, so it's easier to just like find a little spot and sleep there and be ready for the mountains early in the morning instead of driving from Trondheim. I've been uh, really enjoying that. It's uh, part of the spring fun for me what's the joy with being in the mountain and, and staying there for a whole day oh, I, I like that it's a different kind of challenge you have to uh, be better at downhill skiing and then you kind of enjoy the trip a little bit more just like skiing in the sun and being outside all day and I really love being just being outside and mostly I do it with good friends too so then we have lots of time to talk and just enjoy being in the mountains. I'm from Uptar you know so I'm a mountain girl. <laughs> You're not from Trondheim right? No I'm from Uptar it's uh, yeah, about two hour drive from Trondheim uh, it's a lot more mountains there than it's in Trondheim. Oh, so you're grown up with this? Yeah, I have. Uptar is kind of a, a Norwegian order, you can say. Are there as many hipsters and people from Oslo and Stockholm as Ore? <laughs> uh, not as many cool people, but uh, a lot of good lifts and uh, ski areas. So did your parents <laughs> take you out or is this your own interest? Uh, it's more an own interest actually, but more, both my sisters do it as well. So, and I have a lot of friends doing it, so it's easy to bring people. Uh, we were mostly brought up on cross-country skis when we were small, and that's probably why I am an athlete now. <laughs> when did you start skiing? Uh, two years, maybe. Well, two years old. Just had to learn how to walk first, and then I could learn how to ski. Did, when did you start racing? Uh, when I was four, I think. Celia uh, and I went to uh, this uh, kindergarten and one of the uh, women working there, she brought us to this race and after that we'll be been racing uh, yeah, the rest of the time, actually. And Celia is your twin sister? Yeah, that's my twin sister. How did you like racing when you were little? 
I was nervous for maybe a week before every race. But uh, when I was on the race, I really enjoyed it. And I, if I was winning, then I was enjoying it for a long time. And if I was losing, I was a little bit angry. So, uh, yeah, different uh, feelings during, depending on how good I was. Like, are you still nervous and are you still celebrating or feel crushed for, for a long time? Uh, yeah, I've tried to be become better a better loser, but uh, I'm still struggling struggling with it. So, uh, uh, and I'm not that nervous anymore because I do it a lot of uh, much more, and I know how I stand in a different way than I did when I was smaller. Um, so I'm not that much nervous, and uh, yeah, still a bad loser, but a pretty good winner, I guess. <laughs> how, how does it affect you that you're a bad loser? Uh, it makes me want to become better because I don't want that feeling. And uh, uh, I try to not take it out on people and just uh, work with it on my own. But um, yeah, it's a lot of mo motivation in being a bad loser because you really don't want to lose. <laughs> you end up in uh, Trondheim. What, what year did you uh, move to Trondheim? Ooh, that was probably in 2012 or something. So I've been here for a long time now. Before you jumped in to, to Visma Ski Classics, you had some good results in the traditional skiing. You, you have been top 30 many times in, in the World Cup and you have a gold medal and a silver medal at the U23 World Championships and you have a few relay gold medals at the Norwegian Championships uh, and so on. How was it for you to take the step from a traditional skiing skier to a long-distance skier in Visma Ski Classics? You kind of zero out a little bit. You have to start all over. Uh, so the first season was kind of without any expectations, just uh, wanted to establish myself and, and do a good job in the training and... Uh, become strong enough double polling so I can train more and then become better. Uh, and I think it was a lot of fun for me to kind of be the challenger instead of being challenged all the time. Because uh, uh, the first year I was, uh, wasn't was that good, so I had a lot to work with. And uh, that was, it was a fun challenge. But, but you were still sixth overall. So it was good, but I wasn't like uh, fighting for a lot of podiums and stuff. This, how did it work, this step? So Team United Bakeries, that's now Team Kote, yep. they, they contacted mm -hmm. you and you said, what did you say? Like, why not? I was skiing a Svalbard ski marathon and uh, talked to Johan Kjellstad there. And he was like uh, talking about that them needing a girl. And I I thought I might have a talent for long distance skiing. I like, like long distance and so I wanted to try something new. So it kind of came pretty natural and just uh, it just happened in a way. You tried the Berkey in 2012 and you got in eighth place. How was your experience there? Oh, my Berkey experience first time was really bad actually. I, I had so bad skis and I was uh, like far behind from the start and uh, didn't enjoy it at all. So uh, it was good luck that I've been doing be better races than that this <laughs> because if not, I wouldn't be a long distance skier at all. Uh, but I tried some other smaller races like Frickney at and then skied pretty well in them. So I had, yeah, I was kind of confident that I could do a better job than Beacon. <laughs> 
And so the first uh, season, what how, what were your impressions of Isma Ski Classics to ski a full tour? Well, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, actually, from the beginning, I was in a very good team, both like socially and um, uh, very good athletes too. So I had a lot of a lot to learn, and uh, it's more relaxed than doing all around because you don't compete with each other in the same way in the team. And what, uh, why is that, or how is that? I think you're kind of more teammates and in all round you have to uh, fight for yourself kind of and uh, qualify for World Cup races and you want to beat the other ones around you so you can uh, be in the World Cup races. But in the classics, you know, all the races you can, you are attending to and you can really prepare good for them. And uh, I think the athletes are more relaxed too. It's, uh, it's more fun kind of. For example, in your team, you're several girls. Girls, isn't there a competition? Like, oh, maybe I don't get picked for the team for the next season. Yeah, well, it, it is still a competition and you really want to win, but you, you're also happy for your teammates and uh, in a little different way because your teammates' results also um, reflect on the team and uh, it's good for both sponsors and for the total team cup. So, And the boys on my team have been really good at helping each other and like if one is in good shape then he'll go all out for for um, winning and the rest of the team will help him so and I think that's really inspiring and I want to bring that over to the uh, women's competition too yeah the best example was maybe in the Vasalopet in uh, in 2019 when uh, yeah the yellow the yellow guys were in front uh, and helped uh, Tore Berdal to win the the big race. And of course, it's harder for women because you are a smaller starting field. But yeah, there is like when you won your first title, Ulis Levy. Can mm-hmm. you tell me about that race, especially the end of the race? It, it was in 2018. Well, I didn't have anyone to ski together with. Um like uh, did in Vasan, but uh, uh, yeah, I really felt strong and I wanted to go for it and I was hungry to win the race and I think um, yeah, maybe Britta was uh, a little bit more satisfied with her season and stuff and I wanted to show that I could do something else than just being second, so uh, it's a relief and an extremely joy to win a race like that and at least when it's your first race and you start believing yourself that I have become a winner, kind of. So it's important to have won a competition so you can be confident in the rest of the competitions. And you had uh, Masako Ishida 30 seconds ahead of you with only 10 kilometers to go, and she was a teammate. How, how was yeah. How was your thoughts at that time? We had talked about it, and he she was skiing with grip. So she, um, she was going to do the last uphill, uh, as hard as she could and push and then see if that was enough kind of but um and I was actually not trying to put, go away from the group but I had so good skis so I kind of get, got the gap for free and then I just had to go for it when I first got the gap so uh, um it wasn't kind of my purpose to catch up with Masako but um yeah I, in the end I think we we would have done it anyways because it was so big difference between Clear skis and uh, skis without anything, so I just had to try. 
When you won at that time, you had been on the podium 10 times before that. Why did it take so long time for you to, to win the race? <laughs> yeah, I've asked myself that so many times too. It's, it's something about beating everybody at the same time. And that's actually pretty hard because there's always someone who's in good shape. And I think it's uh, because there's a better field in the women's group than many think. So it's not just easy to, to win. It was a really good feeling, though, to finally break the curse. <laughs> Talking about the the women's field, you you have skied on the tour uh, five years. How, how would you say mm-hmm. the women's field have changed? Uh, I think it's getting stronger and stronger in both uh, more athletes and it's more good athletes. I think the last two years, there's been several winners instead of just one. So... Last year it was six different women, women, women winning. I think so. Um, that's a quality sign that we don't know who's winning when we were standing there on the start. And uh, I think we could see the same thing this year. That is several different women that uh, really have a chance to win, and that's making the competition more exciting to watch too. So I think that's a good thing. Also, in your team, you're going to get a deeper women's squad since it's not only you and Kari Vikak and Yeitnes, you also have Emilie Fleten on your team now? I do and she's living like 200 meters uh, apart from me so we're training a lot together and I think we'll both grow, grow stronger too because we're on the same team and being three ladies I think we do have a chance to do more uh, tactical work this year too. And your team you, you all live in Trondheim right? Uh, except for Stian and Kari, they are living in Oslo. So we are four people now living in uh, Trondheim. Yeah, but you have a history where also John Christian Dahl and Johan Kjellstad that are now retired, they they also train together up yeah, in... Yeah, and Ture. And Ture. And yeah. h- how is that working? Do you train every day together or do you have certain times when you work out? We have three sessions a week that are there when we always train together and then most of the time we just uh, talk together and then we find out uh, what to do and uh, uh, yeah we end up training almost every day together anyways because uh, it's easy and fun and good for everyone I think so it's uh, almost uh, a constant camp for us kind of (laughs) constant camp (laughs) when you're roller skiing and running with the guys how do you do to to stay in the same group Uh, roller skiing is easy because then we can just uh, adjust the wheels so we can ski on easier roller skis. So that's maybe the easiest. But then uh, running, we the boys have to run slow, but they do. So that's not a problem. <laughs> and on intervals, we just have to see who's stronger and who's not. So on intervals, you you gather after one repeat yeah. and then you start together for yeah. the second repeat yeah but mostly and but then you... if the boys are doing a level three intervals maybe i'll just run faster and do a tougher session because i think it's fun to try to hang on uh, and then i do an easier session on my by myself later so i just i just adjust it a little bit like that yeah because i was thinking like if you run for two hours and it's a little tougher for you it's it's a it's a hard workout Yeah, so we can't do that all the time. We have to. I have to be smart and listen to my body and know when when to join them and when to uh, run by myself. Kind of, it's hard, but I think I'm figuring it out pretty well now. On Team Kuteng, do you get a salary from the team, or do you have 
to have your own sponsors and get money from prize money? It's mostly prize money, yeah, and then some bonuses from uh, different sponsors. But uh, we don't have a salary, any of us. We just work for free and uh, uh, we put the money into making the waxing team good and having a really good uh, travel plan and uh, housings and stuff. And then the results are getting good because of that. And then we can uh, maybe have some prize money. So we have nothing uh, like weekly or so, no. When I interviewed you three years ago, you said, as long as I keep my costs low, I don't need to work to make a living. Training is more yep. fun than buying stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that still uh, your opinion? Yeah, I, uh, I can stand for that. I, uh, I think I'm living a really good li- life right now and uh, being able to ski as the uh, I work kind of and make enough money to survive, then I'm happy. <laughs> so, so you don't have a, like a normal job? No, I don't have a normal job. Um, I have an ed- education though. So uh, if it gets tough, then I will just start working. But uh, as it is right now, I, I'm just a skier. What is your education? Uh, I have a master in exercise physiology. When you quit skiing and you're maybe going to start working in that area, what, what are you going to do? Oh, it's quite open right now, but maybe I'll be a coach or um, see if there are some uh, positions at the Olympia Open or something like that. We'll see what opens up when I quit. <laughs> We've talked about the team and we're going to listen to your team director, Tore Björsted Beardal. Uh, to have Astrid on the team is always a pleasure. She's... Uh... Always happy and uh, gives good energy to the entire team. Um, that, in addition to being a good uh, skier, is the qualities we are looking for at uh, Team Kulteng. Uh, Astrid is uh, adding a lot to the team. Uh, she's always happy, as I mentioned, and uh, she has become a really good skier in the last couple of years. I think uh, when she's in top shape, she's the best girl in uh, ski classics. So... Uh, uh, with a bit of luck, I think we will see Astrid win a lot of races in the future. I think for Astrid, it's about staying healthy. She, When everybody's at their peak level, Astrid is the one that skis the fastest. So for her, it's about staying healthy and uh, and uh, doing a good job, uh, job training. Um, then I think uh, she will take the yellow jersey for sure uh, in some years. Tore says you are the best skier when you are in top shape. Would you agree? <laughs> I think it's good that he is doing the bragging so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't know about that. But I, I, I know I have a good enough level to win races and that's the main part. And I hope to do it more because as Tore said, I've been sick a lot. And that's my biggest curse right now to not be able to just one whole season without uh, having races ruined so I hope that will be next year <laughs> I think many people view you as like the maybe number two after Britta but still you in in the total you you have been like for this season for example you're fifth but yeah. in La Venosta before Christmas you won by over three minutes and we all thought now it's it's time for Astrid. Or what did you think when you f- were out skiing there in La Venosta? 
Oh, both uh, Lavenosta and Diagonella, I felt really, really strong. And then that I could uh, do this, that I could uh, take the jerseys and uh, have a good season and feeling that I've been doing a really good training job and uh, strong and such. But then uh, uh, kind of uh, my season got ruined after Torbrock or in Torbrock. So... Yeah, what happened I, there? You you finished like 18th, uh, which is n- not normal for you. What, how was that race? Oh, I was. Um, I have. I found out that I can't uh, tolerate gluten, and I've been eating pizza and bread for like two weeks in Italy, uh, and like not uh, taking up a lot of energy. <laughs> oh, so and it got really bad before um, Tobruk. So, and then I catched a cold. Uh, in addition to that, because my immune system was really low because of the celiacy problems. So uh, I was just struggling with everything, actually. So I didn't have a chance to race fast. I just had to try because I had the jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So no more bread. Uh, no more how, bread. How has this, this changed your everyday life? Well, uh, it's not that big of a change, actually. I just have to stay away from br- normal bread and pizza and burgers. But Uh, it's a lot of different substitutes now so it's not really a big difference I just have to I just have to learn that I am one of those who can't tolerate gluten and kind of check my food and stuff I'm not used to that so but um, hopefully it will uh, make make me stronger next year for how long do you think no you, you had it uh, undiagnosed oh, it's hard to know because I've been it's been on and off like yeah uh, I've been eating bread and feeling fine, and then suddenly I'm not feeling fine. So I was really surprised what, when I found out what it was. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe a couple of years, but this season maybe more than earlier. So it's gone worse and worse, kind of. In 2018, you also had problems in the season. You you, you dropped out from La Diagonela. What happened there? 2018, I broke my shoulder during the Christmas. Uh, I just fell on skis and then uh, torn off a part of the shoulder where the ligament is um, fast or where it's um, attached. So um, I couldn't really ski for um, six weeks. And La Diagonella just started to ski and I had to do it with grip. And I knew I wasn't kind of able to compete for any good results. I just wanted to be there at the start and feel the competition healing kind of again and I had been missing the people so I wanted to travel down and just try yeah yeah but I wasn't fit for it at all so had to come off the race you miss the people is you mean the those you compete against or or your team or Uh, both but I really enjoy being uh, on the road with my team so uh, I get fast bored when I'm just stuck at home and not able to do anything so I was eager to get down there with them and hang out. What do you do on uh, training camps when you're not training? Uh, yeah, watching Netflix, maybe <laughs> just talking or. What's your uh, favorite? Yeah, we... uh, or what's your favorite programs? Well, right now I've been watching The Last Dance uh, about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, and it's uh, really fascinating. That's my latest and maybe best series right now. What are other people doing? Are you sleeping between your workouts or? Or watching TV, that's... Uh, yeah, 
it depends, I guess, on how hard we've been working. And uh, sometimes we're training so long sessions that we really don't have time for anything more than just eating and sleeping and training. <laughs> you have two sisters, Celia uh, yep. and Kari, and mm-hmm. they are both skiers. How how much do you train with each other? Well, when we were smaller, we were training every session together. But now, as we live in different places, we don't train that much together. But like in Christmas time and summertime and whenever we can, we try to train together because we are all on a similar level. So I think we can yeah, make a lot of just uh, hanging out. And it's easier to, to train together in the vacations instead of the rest of the family being at the beach. And then you are the only one that have to get out there on roller skis so yeah i think we all three of us enjoy that the other ones are skiing let's listen to them uh, the difference between me and astrid is uh, but she's a more hardcore and a better structured person so uh, i remember she was always the one uh, i had always i always had to reach for her Uh, in training camps and stuff because she was uh, always prepared and ready to do whatever and I and I did it because of my um, compete my competitive sense so uh, I just uh, did it because I didn't want Astrid to be better than me but she was really good to structure and what was the best workouts to do and I just did it because she she did it <laughs> we have been on the same level for many years so we've been pushing each other uh, all the time on every workout So that's been great for me, and she's um, also very good to talk to. So it helps if you're struggling for a workout or something. She uh, she always knows what to do to help you with that too. So uh, yeah, she's great in any way as a training partner, I would say. Austria as a sister is pretty much inclusive. Yeah, she knows what what she wants. You can uh, discuss a lot of things with her. She's pretty much updated with the. Uh, A lot of things, not only sport, but pretty much about the society too. So always something to discuss with her. As a training partner, partner, she's uh, supportive. Uh, also here, she likes to discuss a lot of things. So we help each other with like everything from uh, new training methods to technique and yeah, design sessions, support each other actually and Uh, even though we do a lot of different training, like I'm doing all round and she's doing the, the ski classics, it's uh, pretty much we can learn of each other. So we do a lot of uh, discussions together and yeah, when we have time, we train a lot together. Uh, she she likes to be out with friends and do hiking and uh, skiing and like tenting, being with family and she's uh, pretty creative too so she can do a lot of like uh, painting or yeah yeah she's she's good with her hands actually so so i admire her for that that was first your your twin sister Celia and then uh, your other sister Kari when are they gonna join Vismaski Classics Oh, I think uh, Celia was very tempted this year. Uh, she was kind of close to signing off, but then I think it's a sprint in uh, the world champs that are really tempting for her. So she wants to try that first. And then I think she might actually join the league for the last part this year. So maybe we'll see a, a twin 
duo this year. Uh, I think uh, Kari is not ready for ski classics yet. She wants to do some more years with the all-round team, but we'll see. Is Silly going to join your team? Uh, no, she's flirting a lot around, I think, with uh, another team, but I don't know how the situation is right now, so I can't say too much about that. But uh, yeah, we'll see how how what suit she'll be in in the last part of the season. They mentioned you're structured. Are you? Uh, I'm structured. Yeah, in um, when I have to be, I'm really structured, and I think in my training work and stuff, I I have good control, and then. Maybe my house is a mess sometimes and stuff like that, but I'm like basically I'm quite structured. <laughs> Do you have like uh, diagrams over your training and you know exactly how many hours you do every month? Uh, yeah, I think most athletes have pretty good control of how much they're training and how they want to be training the next month, but you also have to be flexible to adjust for. Yeah, how your body's feeling and if you're sick or if something happens. So you have to be kind of structured, but also open for change if you need. So I think I'm kind of both. Yeah. <laughs> how many hours do you do for in a year? Uh, last year I was training maybe 860 hours. So yeah, I think that's a good level for me. All the three of you, uh, you, you speak very good English with uh, not so much Norwegian accent. Why is that? Um, well, I think we still have a lot of accents, all three of us, but we we lived a year in um, the States when we were like six years, or I was six years, I started school there, so that's probably why it's some it's some good uh, English left from that, maybe. Where did and you live? I, uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, Dad was coach at Williams College, so the whole family just moved there and switched jobs with The American coach came and had that, my dad's job, so we just kind of switched families for a year. And have you been to the U.S. after that? Oh yeah, I've been there a couple of times just for holidays or vacations, and uh, yeah, that's mostly been on the uh, West Coast. More, more about uh, backcountry skiing and climbing and cruising around. We're talking about training. Do you know your VO2 max? Uh, no, I actually don't. I haven't been testing VO2 max for uh, almost 10 years, yeah. so I don't know. Do you know your... What did you have 10 years ago? Uh, 72 or something. And what's your PR in 3,000 meters running or 10K running or something like that? I haven't been running 3,000 in 10 years either, so I don't have a good PR, but it's uh, 10.48. So... Last year, I was actually wanting to do a, a sub-10 run or go for it. But then uh, I hurt my um, my legs, <laughs> so I couldn't do it. I was running too much on the, hard, uh, on the field before I was used to running. So that project kind of crashed, but I'm hoping to try again this year, maybe. Do you have tried 5,000 meters on a double pulling machine? No, I haven't. Do you know your PR in bench press? Uh, no. Uh, I, I think in Norway, we don't do a lot of bench press uh, as a skier. It's a big difference between Swedish uh, skiers and Norwegians. <laughs> I actually don't think Swedish skiers do it so much either. Bench press is not mm. the skier thing. Not the elite skier, at least. <laughs> no, I would say it's not so ski relevant. So I've never trained 
bench press. So I do more hang ups and yeah, like how many hang ups can you do? Uh, I think my record is sixteen or something. But now I do it more. Try to do it with weight belts, and so I haven't been doing a max test for a long time either. So I normally when I'm in good shape, I can do uh, fifteen kilos maybe, and then uh, four repetitions or something. How important is strength training for long distance skiers? I think it's really important. I can feel it now because it's the, all the gyms are closed closed in in Norway, uh, and I haven't been training strength all season. So now today, when I was out double pulling, I feel that I'm not strong enough to uh, ski good technique anymore. Uh, I collapse and I. I'm not strong enough. I, I just feel too weak. So I really, I think uh, strength is more important than you, a lot of people think. How many hours do you put in in the gym in uh, in the dryland season? Oh, I it uh, have uh, periods with maybe four sessions a week uh, on a, about one hour, and then maintenance uh, maintenance periods of like one or two strength sessions a week and then uh, so four yeah, times on a about week. one hour one mm-hmm. hour four times a week is quite a bit how yeah often, that's a lot how many weeks do you do that four or five weeks maybe it's uh early spring training normally so i would if it wasn't close i would do that right now but now i have to adjust a little bit so we'll see i have to do it later maybe Don't you think it affects your like if you want to do double pulling intervals the day after or the same day? Well, it does, but that's why I try to do it in periods of time, so I don't. Uh, so I just focus on strength training, and then I try to maintain the strength training afterwards, so I don't have to train that much strength training during the whole training season. And then I think it's good to do the strength training early because then it's not so important to be in a good shape physically or like in heart the um, max and so and then now train less strength and more capacity during the summer yeah so. what other key features uh, as a long distance skier do you think you mentioned a lot of strength in the in the in the spring and talked about the capacity what what else of course double pulling but what would you say What's needed on a year basis to, to become a cross-country yeah, or, long-distance yeah, skier? Double pulling in all types of terrain. So you have to be mm, good at the flat part and in the uphill part. And be, uh, you have to have good technique and maybe have the ability to change your technique during or where, depending on what kind of terrain you're in. And you have to, you have to have some really long sessions double pulling too to be able to stand a race like Vasalofte when you can race for maybe four or five hours. Then you have to train for more than that so you know you can handle it. Mus- the the muscle strain kind of. When you go on a long workout, how long is that? It depends, and I have been increasing that for uh, for the past years. Uh, so now. Well, I have some sessions that seven hours per season, but they're mostly around between three and five hours. I would say that's the kind of normal session. And running, how how much do you run compared to roller ski in the summer? I actually do quite a bit of running. I enjoy running, and I uh, 
I think uh, running in the swamps around uh, Trondheim is really good strength training for your feet too. So I don't do uh, strength training for my feet. I just uh, run in the swamps. Um, Percent-wise, is it 50-50? Yeah, or I'm a little bit more at roller skiing than running, but maybe 40% running or something in the summer. And then almost 0% in the winter. <laughs> when when you look at... Uh... The schedule for Visma Ski Classics uh, 2021. What uh, what do you like with the schedule, and what do you want to change? Uh, I think uh, the program is becoming pretty good now. I like that they uh, put in an extra race before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Then you can have to. Uh, it's boring to not uh, do any competitions in December. So I think that was really fun that they put in an extra there. And I think they're doing it the right way with having competitions through April too, because this April is a really good skiing season or often good snow conditions and it's a waste not to race in April. So I think they made a good program. But for me, I would like more skating races maybe. And then, uh, yeah, that's maybe the main part. I would love to have Engadin back in. Yeah, you were the on the podium there in, when Engadin mm-hmm. was in the series. Do you want like half of the races to be skating? Or for my sake, I personally, I like skating. And I think maybe we would see more uh, a different kind of athletes, maybe attending the Visma calendar. If it was more skate races, maybe more from the middle of Europe instead of just Norwegian and Swedes. And maybe more World Cup racers just joining a couple of races too, because the double polling is very... uh, narrow kind of you have to be very good at uh, double polling for a long time but it doesn't help much being a good skater kind of so but isn't that like <laughs> the 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 core of Visma Ski Classics the double pole for long distance well it is but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be in future I think or yeah I know it's different opinions about that and I kind of follow both uh both sides. Uh, I agree that it's also amazing to see how good you can be in double polling and that kind of a, you will have a higher level of double polling if that's all you do. But then on the other side, maybe you can see more difference and maybe people would like to follow it more if it was um, a bigger difference between the races, not only double polling for 70k, but yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the length of the races? Are they too short or too long? I think they're pretty uh, good, actually. And I think it's good that it's some 50Ks and one 90K and then like um, you have to adjust and prepare for each race in a slightly different way. And But I don't think uh, you really have to be stuck on the distance. It's, I think it's uh, like in Kaiser um, last year when it was a 40k it was a really exciting race because you had to really go really hard from the start uh, causing a lot of uh, changes during the race so um, it's not uh, all about the distance it's also about the, the how tough it is for you to win the, the yellow jersey you, you you say you need to be more healthy how, how are you going to succeed mm-hmm. with that uh, hopefully, now that I found out that I uh, can't eat gluten, maybe that would be uh, good for my immune system as well, so I can uh, stay healthy because of that. 
because I feel like I've been doing everything right, but then still getting sick. So we'll just, I just have to hope for the best, I guess. What what other goals do you have for the coming season? Well, uh, I really want to win one of the biggest races like Vasan or Marshalonga or Birken. The monuments, um, yeah. I've been winning small races, but I really want to win the big one too. Is there anything else you would say to the listeners before we we go back to, to life? Well, I'll just say uh, have fun this summer and uh, follow me <laughs> this winter. <laughs> See how good I can get. <laughs> we hope you will get a great season. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.